Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you're here. Aren't you glad to be in God's house today? What a wonderful, glorious day of worship already today. I invite you to open your Bible, if you will, to the book of Ephesians. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. And so uh, if you look with me in the book of Ephesians, and uh, we're going to find chapter number two, Ephesians chapter number two. So if you take your copy of God's word and open it with me to the book of Ephesians in chapter number two, and today we're going to um, look at that text of scripture that we looked at last week together and beginning with verse number 11. So Ephesians chapter number two and verse number 11. Today, before we begin our message, I'm going to ask us to continue in the spirit of prayer that John led us in just a moment ago. For our brothers and sisters who are in the Ukraine, and I was in conversations last night with people who are in Ukraine and pastors in Ukraine, and they ask and covet our prayers. The Ukrainian Baptist Union has, was a, a union of a fellowship of 2,300 Baptist churches in Ukraine. And uh, the Ukrainian seminary president there, Ukrainian Yaroslav Pish. Yaroslav Pish went to the same seminary that I did in Fort Worth, Texas. And he is now giving leadership to the Baptist Union there in Ukraine. And he said, as far as they can tell, they've lost at least 400 congregations. There are no leaders left, no pastors, no pastoral leaders. The sheep are scattered. The people are hurting. And the need is great. Folks have been either relocated or killed. And fear and helplessness abounds for so many people. They've started what they call we care centers in these areas where actually people are going in to the most devastated areas in the war-torn country where they can be salt and light. And they're loving people in the fear and in the darkness and in the suffering with food and shelter and water and blankets and clothes and trying to find safe place and counsel. And in these well-we-care centers, they believe from that ministry will spring new life and new churches again. In some regions of the country, especially in the Luhansk area, the Russian armies have meticulously and carefully and intentionally destroyed every church in the city, the building. Now, this is the kind of hatred that's going on, but it's not just trying to destroy the churches. They want to kill the pastors in those communities. So will we pray for those people? Will you join me in praying for them? And uh, August 24th, this week, 
is Ukraine's Independence Day, their 4th of July. And uh, they believe that the Soviet, uh, not the Soviet, the Russian troops are going to gear up for a major air and bombing initiative in the cities. And so they just ask, the pastor said yesterday, will you please just pray for our people and pray for us and pray for the gospel to reach hearts and lives there. And then he said, pray for our enemies. Father in heaven, we lift these brothers and sisters in Ukraine to you. Father, we pray that you comfort them in their greatest, darkest, most difficult hour. You promised you would never leave us nor forsake us. You promised that you are with us always. You promised that you are our refuge and our strength and a very present help in time of trouble. And we pray for these are brothers. Oh, Father in heaven, it's hard for us so far away and in such a comfortable situation to understand what's going on in that part of the world. But Lord, we know it's real suffering. Lord, you're near to those who suffer. Father, I pray that you comfort as only you can. Help us to be diligent in prayer and generous in giving. In Jesus' name, amen. The dollars that we give through Send Relief, which is Southern Baptist arm in helping in tragedies like this, are helping fuel the resources for those we care centers in the worst hit areas of Ukraine. Your faithfulness and giving is helping partner with those in the greatest need. That's a good picture of what it means to be the connected body of Christ. Amen. 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 Today, I invite you to open your Bible and look with me to chapter 2, verse 11. So then, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh. He made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. And he came and proclaimed the good news of peace 
to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. And through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the prophets, the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone in him, meaning Jesus. The whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. Amen. As we look at this passage of scripture today, we're remembering that uh, who we are. And one of the things we talked about last week is that we develop dementia. We forget who we are as a church. And when we do, then the focus becomes ourself and we get out of alignment with Jesus Christ. Understand that we are the people of God. That's one of those metaphors, one of those pictures of us as a church. We are the people of God. Last week we talked about that. Secondly, not only that, we're part of the family of God. And we talked about that that last week. Now this week we're going to pick up and continue the message, we are the body of Christ. This is the next picture that we are to consider, that we are the body of Christ. So listen to what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians, in chapter number 12, in verse number 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, look with me in verse number 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. You are a part of the very body of Christ. In chapter 2 of Ephesians that we just looked at a moment ago, in verse number 15, listen to what Paul said. He said, he said that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. Verse 16, he did this that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. We are this one new body. In verse number 20, we've been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ as the cornerstone. And in him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. You are the body of Christ. As we think about this picture, we are the body of Christ. Understand that Jesus Christ is the head of his body. Christ is the head of his body. In, and this, listen to what the scripture says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. He is the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. So he himself would come to have first place in everything, that he would have preeminence in everything. 
that Jesus Christ is the head of his church. The church is all about him. Christ owns the church. Christ leads the church. And the body follows Christ. We are the body of Christ. And Jesus Christ is the head of his church. A denomination isn't the head of the church. A pastor's not the head of the church. Deacons aren't the head of the church. It is Christ who's the head of his church. And he is leading it and he is guiding it. And there are enemies against the head, but the enemy can't kill the head, but the enemy wants to steal your heart. And you are to be loyal and connected to Christ, who's the head of the church. When churches become divided, they seek not what the head wants, but what they want. And they begin to follow after their own needs, their own wants, their own desires. Second thing we need to understand is Christ has placed us in his body. He has placed us in his body. He's done this according to his will and for his purpose. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse number 18. But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts of the body just as he wanted. So you are a part as a believer. How many of y'all are born again believers? You've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Then you are part of the body of Christ. You are a member of his body. And he has placed you in his body just as he desired. And he placed you there with a purpose. Now notice with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 18. But it is arranged, God has arranged each one of the parts of the body just as he wanted. If they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So tell your neighbor, you are a member of the body of Christ. Christ placed you in the body. Christ gifted you. To serve him. And you have a place and a responsibility. In verse number 21 of 1 Corinthians 12, it says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weak are indispensable. You're an indispensable part of the body of Christ And God has placed you there. The Spirit of Christ has empowered you. And you've been made a part of the body of Christ. And you have an indispensable role. And you are to serve the Lord. And you are to love one another. This is this truth. I want to sink deep inside of you. You are a member of the body of Christ. Now, listen to me. That also means we are connected to one another. Amen. We are connected to Christ as the head, but we are also connected to one another. Paul takes this whole analogy, this whole picture of the body, and he, it's one of his favorites, and he uses it concerning the church. Notice with me the book of Romans, chapter number 12, verse 4. Now, as we have many parts in one body... All the parts don't have the same function. We all don't have the same function. In the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually, now notice verse 5, members of one another. 
You are, you are a member of one another. According to the grace given us, we have different gifts, but we are part of the same body. Verse 6, if prophecy, use it according to proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. You're connected to one another. There are many members in the body, but not all the members have the same function. Not all the members of the church are hands, right? Not all are feet, not all are eyes, not all are ears. But every member of the body needs to be functioning as God has designed for them to do. And when we do, it makes for the health of the body and it makes for the health of the body of Christ in this broken world. And we're individually members with one another. You know, there's something absolute crazy if my hand gets mad at my face. That is not a good scenario. And if my hand decides to go at war with my face, then somebody comes and locks you up if you continue that. Because you've got a problem. It is wrong when we see in the church members using their body parts against one another in the church of Jesus Christ. When we don't function using our gifts, we're unhealthy and disjointed. When you go AWOL and when you refuse to serve, you injure the body of Christ. Well, I'm mad. So I'm not coming. I'm peeved. I'm pouting. So I'm not going to serve in my ministry area. It is the greatest immaturity. It's the greatest childishness. And it hurts the body of Christ. When Paul, when, when Paul in his former life was persecuting the church, he's knocked to his knees with a blinding light. And he hears a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? When Saul was attacking the church, he was attacking Jesus Christ. You have been baptized into the body of Christ. This is Paul's analogy. Look with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 27. Verse number 12, chapter 12, verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. But just as the body is one and has many parts and all the parts of the body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. Verse 13, we were all baptized by one spirit in one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. Doesn't matter your nationality. Doesn't matter whether you're a slave or free or Jew or Gentile. We're all given one spirit to drink. I don't care where you grew up. I don't care what your nationality. I don't care. I, listen, if you've been saved, you've been born again. The spirit of God has come to dwell in you. And you've been baptized. 
baptized by the Spirit of Christ and you've been made a part of the body of Jesus Christ. Amen. You're a part of Him. You're made the drink of one Spirit. We, we share together. We're united because the Spirit of the Lord Jesus who awakened you from dead and saw you, Jesus, help you see Jesus Christ who has crucified your sin and led you to put your faith and trust in Him. And when you gave your heart to Jesus, you were born again. And the Spirit of God came to take up residency in your life. And He's connected you with God through His Spirit and to one another. We are the church, the living church of Jesus Christ. We need to take this seriously. You're baptized into one spirit and one body. The body is a unit and it's not many, but one. The members are individually parts of it. We were baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and given one spirit to drink. The body is not one part, but many. But he's arranged them just as he desired and wanted. We're individually members of one another. The word body is, sometimes we use the word core. Core means body. The Marine Corps. It's about the core. The body. A corporation is a body. Many people work in the corporation. But it's the advancement of the goals of the corporation. We are a part of a core. And the core is Jesus Christ, not our own selves. And so one part is not less than another part. Paul goes on to describe this. He says, if the, he says, if the foot should say, because, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, is it not for that reason any less part of the body? Well, I don't have those gifts. I'm not, a, I'm not a hand. Well, you may not be a hand, but you are a part of the body, whatever that part is. It's not anything less. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it's not for that reason any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Every member is important in the body. He's arranged each one. So an eye can't say, I don't need you, or hand can't say to a foot, I don't need you. All body parts matter. Every member is bad. There's no division in the body of Jesus Christ. And so we work together. And here's the truth. Listen to me. Listen. If one member of the body suffers, all the body suffers. Amen. And when you take up war against your own body, you hurt yourself and you hurt the body of Christ and you hurt our witness in this world. Amen. Amen. 
And even if it's the smallest member of the church, when one member hurts, it affects the body. This week, I took some vacation time to be alone with some of our family. And so Christy and I got away, and we took with us this year, we often sometimes take some of the kids with us on vacation, and this year we took Aaron and Brad and their children with us. And so we went to the Ozarks for a few days. And we had, we had fun and enjoyed swimming and doing activities with them. And so Brad and I were going to play golf. Now, golfing is not Brad's game. But we decided to play a little golf. It's not much of my game anymore either. But anyway, we played golf one day. Aaron wanted to play golf. Aaron is an unbelievable athlete. I don't know if you know this about my daughter-in-law. She is an unbelievable fit guru athlete. I mean, CrossFit trained Olympic weightlifting athlete. And competitive. Played college soccer. She's Super competitive at everything. If it's tiddlywinks, she is going to win. So we decided to take her. She wants to play golf. So we went to a driving range. And she and Brad bought the biggest bucket of balls. And I thought, whoa. And so they started in the middle of the afternoon hitting golf balls. I hit golf balls for a while, and then I'm done. And so... They just kept hitting and whacking golf balls, and all of a sudden I noticed Aaron stopped. Now, don't tell her this, right? It's our secret, all right? She's not here. They're still down there. So she quits playing, and I said, Aaron, you okay? She goes, ah, something's wrong with my elbow right here. It hurts like crazy. And I said, well, it's kind of like tennis elbow, except it's from hitting a golf ball. She goes, Seriously? She goes, she quit hitting. Then she started trying again. She goes, the next day she was supposed to get up and she was going to go be a visitor at a CrossFit gym. And she went to the CrossFit gym and she could hardly do her exercises. And she said, it just hurts right here. The woman says, well, that's not tennis elbow. The other coach there said, do you play golf? She goes, no. But I did yesterday. She goes, well, that's from playing golf. There's a little tendon in there, and it's irritated. The next morning, she didn't even get out of bed. She said, my, I can't move my arm. It hurts so bad. I kind of enjoyed it. <laughs> that's not right of me. But anyway, the littlest member of her body, just a little bitty tendon, Changed your whole outlook about the rest of her body. Let me tell you what, when one member of the church is suffering, the rest of the members need to come to the aid of those who are suffering. Amen. Because we are connected yes, with one another. Amen. Amen. We are not only that, we are commissioned to do his work. As the body of Christ in this world, we're commissioned to do his work. Matthew chapter 28, you know, Jesus said, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Matthew 28, 18. 
All authority has been given to me in heaven on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples, followers of all the people groups, all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, to obey all that I have commanded you. And, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age." Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the people groups, preach the gospel, teach the truth. And he says, not only are you to, to, to make followers, but he says, then I want you to do this. I want you to, to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And they are marked as my people and followers of me. And then they repent of sin and trust in me. And they're following me. Then teach them to obey me. John 14, 12 says, Truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he'll do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. God has called us to a great work, and the great work is to make followers of all the nations. We're not to sit idly and fighting with each other. The church of Jesus Christ has been saved and born again and made and created and God has enabled us and empowered us and put us together as a family and a marching army to take the gospel of Jesus to a lost world. Amen. This is who we are. Yes, Lord. This is what God has called us to do. Amen. The next picture of the church of Christ is that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, so notice what he says, you're baptized by one spirit in the body. We're given one spirit to drink from. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 16, listen to what the scripture says. Don't you know that you are God's temple and the Spirit of God dwells in you? So here's the picture. Now we've moved from the body analogy to the picture of a temple of the Holy Spirit. You yourselves know that you're God's temple and the Spirit of God lives in you. Jewish people would understand a temple. A temple is a holy place. A temple is where people would go to worship. A temple is where the glory of God rested. The temple is where you brought your sacrifices and prayer and praises to God. The temple was God's holy place where you humbly meet with God. And he says, you are the temple. The Spirit of God lives in you. And then he says in verse 17, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple's holy. And that's what you are. You're God's. Christ lives in you. And Christ lives and dwells among us corporately. And we need to treat it as holy, what God has called to be holy. And not destroy it, or ignore it, or be AWOL. 
Ephesians chapter number two, the text we read today. Notice in verse number 21, in him the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you're being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. You, God's dwelling is in the spirit, is in you. You're built together. The Holy Spirit of God dwells in you individually, but his spirit is in us corporately. Tell your neighbor you're a part of the holy temple of God. Now listen to me. When you injure, when you tear apart, when you cause harm, when you try to destroy the church, you've taken up arms against the Lord himself. And this is how we do it. We can gossip and tear and say negative things, negative tales, negative things that somebody else has said by innuendo, by jealousy of other members, envy of other members, complaining against other members, rebelling against authority. Or maybe you want to somehow try to develop a church, your own little group within the church. That is not from the Spirit of God. Amen. And when you try to entice others to leave their post of service, you're working against the work of God. I was just a young pastor. I, I mean, I'm so green, so young. There's so much I didn't know, but I, what I lacked in understanding, I made up for in just passion. I was finishing college. I was pastoring a small little church in Ducoin, Illinois. Anybody know where that's at? Ducoin, Illinois. I was 21 years old. I was finishing college, and right behind the church was a woman who lived there, who had a lot of influence with other members in the church, and she was related to about half the members of the church. And she was mad and bitter. And even though she lived right behind the church, she would never come to church, but she always seemed to know everything going on in the church. You ever met somebody like that? And she just burned up the phone lines talking and gossiping and criticizing. It was wicked the ways that she behaved. People were being saved. People were coming to Christ. People were being baptized. But she refused to come. She refused to celebrate. So finally, I just went over there one day and I said, what is your problem? What is going on with you? And it boiled down to this. She was mad at one of her other sisters who came to the church because she had been left out of a birthday party celebration 30 years ago. And she was mad and heck about it and not going to get over it. Refused to attend. And she said to me, I'll never forget it. My mission 
is to close the door of that blankety-blank church. Bitter, hateful, miserable, and lost. My friend, when you make it all about you, you be very careful. You have moved away from fellowship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, as the temple of the Holy Spirit, we're going to have to hurry. He gives you, first of all, gifts. The Holy Spirit dwells in us, so he gifts us. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. 1 Corinthians 12, listen. He's given us a, a manifestation of the Spirit. Is given to each person for the common good or for the good of all. He lists some of these gifts of the Spirit, and of them wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation of tongues. What he's saying is, God has given a manifestation of Spirit. That means something, the Spirit's manifestation is a gift, and it's been given to each one. You are gifted, each one of you. And you've been given gifts of the Holy Spirit. Did you know you were in a gifted program? I've never been in anybody's gifted program. But you're in God's gifted program. He's gifted you with his spirit. He's given some teaching gifts, some counseling gifts, some proclamation gifts, some evangelism gifts, some wisdom gifts, some service gifts, some helping gifts, some healing gifts. But he's given you gifts in the Spirit. And you're gifted not for your pride, not for your self-esteem. He's gifted you for the work. He's gifted you for the work. Now he's gifted and given talents and gifts to you that I don't have. He's given Andrew gifts I surely don't have. Amen. Thanks, John. <laughs> but you know what? You've got your gifts. Thank you, Lord. And you're not to look down on them. They were given from Almighty God to you for His glory. Yes, Lord. Amen. And your work in this kingdom is for his glory. Amen. Not only has he gifted us, but he's made you fruitful. Thank you, Lord. And he's given you ability by the Spirit's presence in your life to bear fruit for the glory of God, every one of us. The book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 22. He talks about the deeds of the flesh, but then compared to that, contrasted to that, is this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then he identifies what that love looks like. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. 
He says, this is the very fruit that ought to be found in your life. That you love people and you love God. And that you got a joy, joy, joy down in your soul. That it's real joy and it doesn't have to be worked up. It's not about whether it's the music you like. you got a joy. And that joy comes from the Lord himself. And there's peace and settledness that is in your heart. And a patience with one another. And, and that there's kindness that you show one to one another and goodness that's in your life and faithfulness and gentleness. It's the character of Christ in you. That fig tree that had all the leaves but there was no fruit. Jesus cursed it. Why? Because it proclaimed I've got fruit but it had none. When Jesus peels back the leaves he's looking for what should have been there was fruit. Christ is looking in your life. He's look for the Father is looking. He's looking for the character of his son Jesus in your life. This is given to the God's people. Brad and I went into a store the other day and it was understaffed and there was somebody working behind the counter that was just grouchy and I just wanted a Powerade, but you would have thought I asked for the Taj Mahal. And so I, it tweaked me for a minute, the attitude. And then I just began to have conversation with the person. What is your name? Where are you from? How long have you been working here? Just talking with them. How long, you know. Man, I tell you what, I bet it's difficult. You guys understaffed here? Like, must be a, pretty soon that person, what do you like to do when you get off of here? What do you enjoy about this area? And all of a sudden, that person just started talking to me. And then they started smiling. I said, what's your name? I told him my name. I said, thank you for serving here. Man, God's got a great plan for your life. But I appreciate you serving here and being here when other people aren't here. And you're faithful. You're making a difference in this world. God's got good plans for you. I think I'd hire somebody like you. I might have been stretching the truth at that moment, but anyway. And all of a sudden, that person's whole attitude changed. We sat down, Brad said, Dad, why do you do that? I said, I'm my best person when I'm on mission to love people. Amen. I'm my best person when I'm on mission to love people. But in order for me to do that, that means I have to die to me. And I want to live for him. I always consider whether wherever I'm going, whatever I'm doing, that I'm a missionary where I'm at. It's not about my rights. Not about my defense. And I'm learning God help me to love even my enemies. Thirdly, he empowers us. He empowers us to carry out what God has called us to do. As temple of the Holy Spirit, he gives us power. Luke tells us, Jesus said, wait, stay, tarry in the city in Jerusalem until you're empowered from on high. The early church waited and prayed. Jesus promised in Acts 1.8, he says, 
when the Spirit has come upon you, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Christ is in you. Christ is with you. Christ strengthens you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You're empowered by the Spirit of God. You've been given supernatural Holy Spirit power in your life. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Tell your neighbor, Christ is in you. Christ strengthens you. Tell your neighbor, Christ strengthens you. Now, not to whisper it, you tell them. Convince them. Christ will strengthen you. Tell your neighbor right now, Christ strengthens you. Number four, he guides us. By guiding us, he teaches us and he reminds us. In John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus said, When the paraclete, when the counselor, when the advocate comes, the spirit, the Father will send him in my name, and he will teach you all things. And listen, and remind you of everything I have told you. Aren't you so glad the Holy Spirit lives in you? The counselor, the word counselor there is the word parakletos. Means one called alongside, one who helps you and strengthens you. That's John chapter 16, verse number 13. Listen to the scripture, John 16, 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all the truth. For he'll not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears and will declare to you what is to come. The Holy Spirit speaking to you, guiding you. You don't wander around aimlessly. He's guiding you. Aren't you grateful to God? for Some aspects of technology drive me crazy. But one thing that's pretty awesome is you can punch an address into your phone and your car tells you how to get there. That's a nice feature. God's given you something greater than a GPS system. He's given you his spirit. Number five, he leads us to live holy lives. This is what the spirit of God does. He leads you to live a holy life. In 1 Corinthians chapter number six, we'll just start at verse 19. Don't you know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own? You were bought at a price. Glorify God with your body. Earlier in this text, he said, don't use your body in prostitution, immorality, sexual promiscuity, but instead live a holy life. And Paul reminds us you've been bought at a price. 
You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. And he never leads you to sin, but he leads you to a holy life. Amen. I'm going to quote a hymn today, and it's a hymn that you may know. And our deacons are coming preparing the Lord's Supper, and musicians can come now too. But I want you to listen to the words of this hymn. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waited, waiting, yielded, and still. Are you still this morning? Are you yielded this morning? Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Search me and try me, test me. Master today. Whiter than snow, Lord, wash me just now. As in thy presence, humbly I bow. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Wounded and weary, help me, I pray. Power, all power, surely is thine. Touch me and heal me, Savior divine. And the last verse, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Hold o'er my being absolute sway, fill with thy spirit, till all shall see Christ only, always living. In me. In me. Father, have your way in our hearts, in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.